In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello, and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this a series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. But we don't bring you just thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. We also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what the series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So listen to us live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. specific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry about that because we are every major podcast platform from Apple to Google to Stitcher to Spotify. You can find us all over the web. And also, uh, connect with me. Send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or go to the website leadershipbeyondborders.net. And let me know what kind of subjects you want to hear about on this show. But if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, on to today's episode. Now, I always do a little bit of preparation before um, I talk with our guests, and I was reading an article done by the Belfer Center for Science and International Affairs at Harvard's Kennedy School, and it was about cyber, because cybersecurity, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I was reading, you know, uh, they were noting the biggest cybersecurity countries and the countries that have the best cybersecurity culture. And of course, they were, you know, the U.S., Russia, France, Germany, Canada, Japan. And then, you know, they also had Netherlands, which surprised me a little bit with 17 million people. And Israel, of course, which didn't really surprise me because of their proximity. Um, and it was an article about what these cultures look like. And I was really fortunate this year. I got to go to Beersheba in Israel, which is probably one of the, one of the top well-known cybersecurity centers. And it was amazing. I just sat in this room and I, I looked at this map of the world and you could just see these little lines shooting out all over the place um, where attacks were taking place, where their breaches were. And it was just absolutely mesmerizing. And I started thinking about that. I started thinking, well, you know, so much is going on out there. And, you know, obviously these countries know about it, but what about CEOs? What about boards? What about employees? Do they know what's going on? And our guest today probably says the answer may not be 100%, but his job is to help people understand and build a security culture. And our guest today is Perry Carpenter, and he's a chief evangelist, author, and strategy officer for Know Before. 
And Perry wrote a book a while ago called Transformational Security Awareness, What Neuroscientists, Storytellers, and Marketers Can Teach Us About Driving Secure Behaviors. That is available on Amazon. And he is also um, has a podcast called Eighth Layer Insights Podcast. And he's a co-author of a new book, The Security Culture Playbook, An Executive Guide to Reducing Risk and Developing Your Human Defense Layer. Both his books are available on Amazon. And Know Before is the world's first and largest new school security awareness training and simulated phishing platform that helps manage ongoing problem of social engineering. No before platform is user-friendly and, and and it was built to scale for, for busy IT pros and people to use. Customers of all sizes get the no before platform deployed in production twice as fast as their competitors. And Perry himself is recognized thought leader on security awareness and the human factors behind security. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So Perry, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Kimberly. It's uh, great to be here today. Yeah. So uh, let's just kind of start because, you know, I, I started doing some preparation for this. And I, as I said, I was really fortunate to go to um, Beersheba in Israel. And I was thinking about the technology before. But, you know, you're talking about a culture. So what what is a strong security culture? Yeah. So I, I think the biggest thing to remember is that any time that we're talking about culture, we're talking about people. And so if you take your your mind's eye and then shift that down to the person, that means that you're thinking about the ideas that people have, the social behaviors that they have, the um, the you know types of peer pressure and the way that people naturally encourage or discourage each other from doing certain things, the the values that exist within their minds, and then of course all the expressions of those values. And so it's a lot more than just saying we put posters on the wall that encourage people to do the right thing, but the right thing from a security perspective is really just the way things happen. Um, and and it's much more than simple training or posters or newsletters. It is that um, that kind of indefinable thing that tends to happen to people as they form a collective understanding about what is right and what's wrong. So anybody that's been in school, um, you know, like grade school or high school knows that you start to learn things about acceptable behavior and unacceptable behavior and what makes you popular and, and what makes you not popular, not because people tell you, but because things are modeled and reinforced by everybody around you. And that's a, that's one of those really interesting things that can happen when it comes to culture is you can start to uh, quote unquote train people, not through formal training, but just the way that other people are naturally doing things and behaving. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, you mentioned these posters and things, and I've been in companies where you have, you know, the sec- security awareness. So right. really, really, what's the difference between the security awareness and the security culture? Yeah, that's that's an important question. So security awareness is it's really a misnomer um, because if we always if we stop with awareness then we're not really doing our jobs. Um, it's it's an unfortunate market term that people have adopted. But really, when you think about security awareness versus security culture, is that awareness has this natural boundary of 
oh, I now know something about the world that I live in. Um, and it kind of stops there. Um, the, the way that I always used to say it is that there's kind of a, a formula that awareness uh, presumes, which is yeah, you've got a person, you have information. If you give that information to the person, they will naturally exhibit the right attitudes and behaviors and beliefs. Mm -hmm. And um, that's not the case. Anybody that's had kids knows that you can give somebody all the right information that they need <laughs> and the behavior doesn't follow or the, the buy-in doesn't follow. And the other thing that happens is, um, you know, uh, those of us that are um, North American for sure, um, and I'm sure many people around the world, every time the, uh, the calendar moves around and you're about to have a new, new year, there's this custom of creating New Year's resolutions. Mm -hmm. And we all um, know that there are certain things we want to do. We have the information in our head that says if you eat better, if you lose weight, if you go to the gym, if you save more money, if you spend more time with your family, all these great things will come from that. And we make these lists because we know it's the right thing to do. And we have the intellectual um, understanding of that. But how many people, even though we have all the right understanding and we have the intention to act on that, the, those lists um, are largely not followed within like two weeks. And it's because <laughs> human nature gets in the way. And so security awareness has a boundary. It's that information piece. We really need to push into behavior and culture. And that's the important distinction that I like to make. So if I have a company, okay, I've gone through all this, um, you know, making people, giving the information, telling what to do or what not, not to do, where the danger points are. How do I, how do I measure or how do I know when I've kind of moved into a culture? Are there any secrets to measuring the culture, a security culture, as opposed to just putting out there this, this, these parameters for awareness? Right. Yeah. It, because it, it is, um, if you can't measure it, it kind of does, you no good. I mean, you can start to see some of the effects of culture and once you see something, you can measure that. So that's good, but mm -hmm. you can start to also measure the unseen things. And, um, we actually have a framework that lets you measure. Um, and what that starts to look at is, seven different dimensions of security culture from the attitudes that people have to the behaviors that they exhibit to the cognition. So the way that they think about it um, to the way that they communicate about it to uh, the way that they comply with certain things within the organization to the behavioral norms and the way that they understand responsibility. So mm -hmm. attitudes, behaviors, cognition, communication, compliance, norms and responsibilities. And those are all things that you can measure um, many leading indicators on. And um, I, I created this uh, phrase that I use for those, which are uh, I call culture maturity indicators. And you can start to see the, the artifacts of the way that people naturally behave in an environment. And then those things that you can't directly measure, you can back into through surveys. And um, the design of the survey has to be done in a very specific scientific way because you don't necessarily want to um, deliver a survey in a way where somebody believes they know what the right answer is uh, mm -hmm. because they'll just give you the right answer. Um, so you have to start to ask them questions in very indirect ways and, and 
typically not about themselves. It is what do you believe is going on within this other department? Because mm-hmm. what, what happens is they're either going to give you what they've directly observed, um, which is great, or they're going to um, kind of look inside themselves and say, all right, now let me project myself into that other department and what would I do? Um, but they're taking the heat off of themselves in a lot of ways, um, but they're giving you a lot of really good um, truthful indicators about what they're either seeing or this hidden thing within them that they may be acting on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, those seven, I want to come back and talk about those um, seven dimensions um, bef- after the break. But before the break, um, you know, this is a lot of stuff, um, Perry. Right. This is a lot of work, okay? So, I mean, you you see all these all over LinkedIn, you know, chief security officer, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Okay. You know, uh, is there one person responsible for this or is this, does this have to, you know, it's a cascade. It has to come from the board or, you know, uh, uh, how do you, you know, who does this? Okay. Yeah. Well, so, so there's the, there's the doing piece and then there's the, uh, the stakeholder, the buy-in piece, mm-hmm. um, the buy-in piece really needs to happen kind of at the highest level of the organization because you're potentially taking people's time, um, their focus for a little bit, especially if you're sending out surveys or sending out training. So that buy-in has to happen at the highest level. And the good news is, is you know, by and large, that buy-in is happening from the board level down, especially mm-hmm. when they understand the, uh, the, the good effects that can come from that. Um, and so when it gets down to how you actually measure um, there is a person or a team that's involved. It can be as, as little as one person um, because there are tools that help you do that. Um, and of course, the company I work for has some of those tools and there are other uh, versions of those tools that are out there sold by other vendors as well. Um, so it can it can either be something you develop internally and do all on your own and that's you know going to take up a decent amount of time, money and effort, mm-hmm. um, but it's doable. Um, or you can bring in a third party like us to help with that. And that brings the tooling in, brings in the know-how on how to do it right, and really alleviates a lot of the time commitment because you're talking about automated tools at that point. Yeah. Um, so w- I want to talk about those tools and I want to talk about the seven dimensions. And we're going to take, a, uh, Perry, take a short break first. Okay? Sure. And we can do a little more, uh, dive into those a little bit more. And for our listeners, our guest today is Perry Carpenter and is the Chief Evangelist and Strategy Officer at Know Before. And Perry is also an author. He has two books on the market. One is The Security Culture Playbook, an executive guide to reducing risk and developing your human defense layer. And um, you can get that on Amazon. And his previous book was Transformational Security Awareness, What Neurosciences, Storytellers, and Marketers Can Teach Us About Driving Secure Behaviors. And uh, if you'd like to reach out to Perry or Know Before, you can find Know Before all over the net under www.knowbefore, and that's knowbe4.com. And then it's on Twitter under No Before and on Facebook and LinkedIn under No Before. And Perry, you can reach out to him on Facebook 
under Perry Carpenter author, and Perry is also under LinkedIn, on LinkedIn under Perry Carpenter, and on Twitter under Perry Carpenter. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, market research, and do legislative white papers focused on digital. They also have conferences, and their conference, their next conference is in Florence, Italy, October 16th to 18th. So to learn more about Cinda, go to www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about security culture. Okay, and we're talking with Perry Carpenter, and he's a chief evangelist and strategy officer at Know Before. Um, he's also an author, and he's just wrote a book called The Security Culture Playbook, an executive guide to reducing risk and developing your human defense layer. Um, Perry is a recognized thought leader on security awareness and the human factors behind security, and he's provided security consulting and advisory services for the West best-known brands across the world. So, Perry, we, we kind of took uh, talked about the difference between awareness and culture before the break yeah and and we just touched on you know the the seven dimensions of the of the framework of culture um and you kind of went through those very quickly and i'd I'd like to i'd like to take a little deeper dive into some of those okay and um, one of the things you you said is attitudes okay um so can, can you talk a little bit about you know, yeah. what you look at in attitudes. Yeah. So from an attitude perspective, we're really wanting to um, get down to how somebody thinks about it. So um, what is their emotion that comes uh, to the forefront whenever they're thinking about security? Do they do they care about it? Um, are those attitudes positive? Are they neutral? You know, could they not care at all? Are they negative? Um, and this also even gets down to the relationship aspect between the security team and those people, um, because there's, there's a lot of things that come into play with that. So it is one, um, when we're sending somebody security related information, do they feel interrupted and frustrated? Or do they feel like, oh, this is something that I can and should pay attention to? Um, do they feel like the security department is the department of no, the people that are making their jobs harder all of the time? So you can really start to diagnose, uh, you know, the, the perceptions around security, diagnose any relational issues or just uh, ways that somebody is, has preconceived notions about what security is, what it's there to do, um, whether that's a barrier or an impediment or whether that's a critical resource for the organization. Mm-hmm. And so I would guess I, I would guess that attitude then 
uh, you know, if you're just studying psychology, it goes right into the behaviors because that's right. another thing you said. So, you know, they have this attitude, you know, I'm not frustrated with um, security when they send me something and then it, it goes into behaviors. So yeah. how, talk a little bit about behaviors. Yeah, let me let me zoom out for a minute because there's something I should have mentioned earlier when we were talking about awareness. Um, when it comes to security awareness, there's there's always something that we're we're working to deal with, um, which is what I call the knowledge intention behavior gap. So you can have the right knowledge, but you may not intend to act on it. Or um, as I mentioned with uh, things like New Year's resolutions, even if you have the right knowledge and you mm -hmm. intend to act on it the action may not follow. So we, we're dealing with that knowledge, intention, behavior gap. Um, now, when you zoom out from that, there's three principles that can come. Uh, number one is just because somebody's aware doesn't mean that they care. Number two is if we try to work against human nature, we will fail. And number three is what an employee does is way more important than what they know. And so that zooms us right back into behaviors now. Um, because, you know, just because somebody's aware doesn't mean that they care is, is attitudes. Um, what somebody, um, uh, does is way more important than what they know is behaviors. And so we have to understand within our organization, what are the behaviors that are actually happening? Um, what is considered acceptable versus unacceptable? What does an employee see other people doing? Because as I mentioned before, with social pressures and social modeling, the, the behaviors that people see around them, they will naturally catch. Mm -hmm. um, we, we, we see behaviors modeled by others, and then we just, as part of human nature, we start to replicate those behaviors. And so that, that understanding of what is the lived out behavior patterns of the people within our organization is very, very key, especially when those lived out behaviors are different than the espoused values that an organization has or what they have in policy. Mm -hmm. So, the, the, you know, this is really interesting because the knowledge attend behavior, the, that gap there, how do you, when you're, when you're going in and trying to move that needle from awareness to culture, how, how do you measure that? I'm just staying with the attitudes, behaviors, yeah. and and I guess the third, I guess the not the knowledge would kind of right. be the cog, cog, cognition. Okay, how do you how do you measure that? So so there's always um, two main ways that you can measure. Um, the first one is looking at behavioral data in the tools that you have. So if you got like a security information and event management system, well, now you have a good understanding of what people are doing, what systems they're going to, what um, uh, what triggers uh, they may they may be uh, setting off if they're doing um, be behaviors that you don't want them to do. You have things like data leak prevention tools that do the same. You have endpoint protection software that is um, sending off alerts when people do the right the you know the the wrong things as well. Um, you can understand their communication patterns, um, and of course, all this varies uh, depending on the region that you're in within the world on what you're allowed to see and how you're allowed to react on those things. But the tooling in theory gives you those behavioral indicators that you can directly measure. If somebody crosses the line, you pretty much know it. If they get up to the line, you also kind of know that because you've got logs across lots of systems and you can pull that data together. So we can get a pretty good behavioral profile on what somebody um, is doing. 
The other thing, if you can't do that, don't have access to that, um, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, you have surveys and you can use some very good scientifically uh, created surveys to, to understand a couple of things. Um, what people believe that they are supposed to do um, and there are good ways to get to that. And then what people believe or are actually observing other people do. Um, and so that that comes from survey instruments as well as the the actual observation through the tooling that you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, it, it, this is all a really big shift. I want to come ask you to come back to that in a minute, but I want to stay with these seven dimensions. So you've got this you, you're trying to measure this gap. You've said how to measure it. Um, one of the things that that I always wonder across an organization is, you know, how how many of the employees really know the policies and procedures, the compliance part? Right. Okay, um, you know, I, I've seen stuff that's like pages thick, and I know when I worked for companies, they'd give it to me, and I would read half of it. Okay, right. not even half of it. Okay, you know, so so how how do you make compliance transparent? Would be my yeah, uh, or easy, easy and transparent. So I think we have to understand the goal of compliance. And I think that there's several goals when it comes to compliance. One is to meet a regulatory standard. Um, mm -hmm. That's one type of compliance. And there are things that you just have to do for that. You have to ex you know, expose your employees to certain policies and you have to get them to sign off that they have read and understood those. Um, and there's a couple reasons that you do that from an organizational level. One is to satisfy the auditor. The other mm -hmm. is to, within an employee's mind, not necessarily have them totally read and understand everything because nobody can can or will read and understand the thousand policies that they need mm -hmm. to be exposed to. <laughs> um, but the, the really important thing about that is that they at least start to understand the policy categories mm -hmm. so that when it becomes relevant, they can go look it up. Um, and that's the really good thing about when you start to shift to a behavioral way of understanding your people, you'll start to say, all right, it's not important that people know and understand everything in this theoretical way once a year. What's more important is that they know whenever one of these categories comes up and they know that it's important that they know where to go to find the policy and that the policy is written in a clear and understandable way so that when it's relevant to them, when they actually care about it, they can find the information and go there. And then the other reason that policies exist is, is frankly, so you can discipline employees. Mm -hmm. If somebody has read a, po or, you know, quote unquote, read a policy and attested that they have, uh, that they have read it and understand it, that means when they violate that policy, the organization has the legal footing to hold them accountable to that. Um, and so those are those are the, the three things. One is satisfy an auditor. The other is to give people an understanding of where the policies are, what the categories are and where they can find them in their time of need. And then the other one is the accountability piece. Mm -hmm. So, the, yeah, that's kind of comes to the responsibility that you were talking about, the accountability. And I, I guess my next question on these dimensions uh, that you you uh, kind of rattled off in the first thing was, so you know we've got these compliances, we we're measuring this these behaviors um and the gaps between between knowledge and behavior, um we're giving them compliances, uh, we're trying to make them accountable, okay, but you know communication is such a powerful tool, okay, right? Uh, how do we you know what? How do we communicate this? You know, I'm yeah, 
<laughs> well, and and so what we measure and what we believe is important is really just to know um, kind of what's going on when it comes to communication. So we're not going to necessarily say what's right and wrong because what's right and wrong from a communicative um, point of view depends on the person you're trying to communicate with. Um, I'm speaking English right now. If somebody is a native French speaker and they only speak French, my communication can be great in English, but it's not going to actually give that person what they need. Mm -hmm. And so communication depends on so many different factors from um, the language that somebody understands to the cultural framework through which they interpret that language. Because I can say one great phrase um, and depending on the person that I'm speaking to, they may interpret that phrase three or four different ways right. um, based on all the cultural and worldview baggage that each of us takes with us. We're all always filtering things through all those preconceived notions and uh, other things that have come up in the way that we've, we've learned over the you know, decades that we've been alive. And so we, we need to understand, number one, how is security communicated through the organization? And then how do we break up that communication um, through the prism of understanding who somebody is, where they are, what uh, the way that they are potentially going to learn or receive information best, um, their, you know, the extent that leadership is involved in that and setting the right tone. Um, and is security considered a core value in the organization? All that has to be expressed the right way. So question one is, uh, is it being expressed? And is mm -hmm. it being expressed consistently? And then question number two off of that is, is it being expressed in relevant ways to the population that are there? Mm -hmm. I, I think the third one, I mean, when when you talked about uh, getting this message out, we talked about the stakeholders have to start, okay? Right. Um, and that has to be clearly consistent. That's kind of like that elevator pitch thing, but, you know, going a little deeper, you know, we're not, yeah. we're not selling something, okay? But I think being relative is, uh, is important. I mean, uh, that's where I see kind of a companies slipping up as it cascades down, you know, mm -hmm. what does it actually mean to me? Do you have an experience with that on, you know, how do you make it relevant? I think you make it relevant through stories. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, over the past few decades, we've had this storytelling movement where people say, you know what, the, the way that the human mind learns and understand that something is relevant is through the creation of stories. Because Anytime somebody starts to put a character in a situation, um, at that point, then we mentally project ourselves as that character and we start to feel and sense all of the things going on around that character. And we understand what the stakes are at a different level. When you read a policy on a page, it's just logic and words. Mm -hmm. When you hear yeah. a story about the way that, uh, you know, the reason why that policy was created um, or the thing that it's trying to prevent, and you have a person in a situation and all that richness is happening to them, we understand it and we remember it at an entirely different level. So I think that that's key to getting this right, is moving from facts and figures to emotions, feelings, and making that resonate. Yeah, I mean, that really... Um really does. And, you know, I, I, I told you, I, I said in the beginning of my little experience at um, Beersheba, and, you know, I was looking at the stuff on the wall, but then there were stories behind it. Yeah. And 
that's why I have such got such an impact, you know, from that visit because hearing those stories, it, you know, sure the little flashy things on the wall was pretty cool, but you know. <laughs> you know anyways, uh, Perry, we're gonna take a a short break. When we come back, um, I want to talk about what actions can be taken. So you know, sure. we have a lot of executives. What they can they do to move in this way and kind of get your thoughts on what's going on in the world today a little bit. Okay. Perfect. Um, good. So for our listeners, we are talking with Perry Carpenter, and he's a chief of allergist and strategy officer at Know Before. And he's also an author, and he has a new book out, The Security Culture Playbook, an executive guide to reducing risks and developing your human defense layer. Excellent book. I did read it. Um, you can get it on Amazon. But if you'd like to learn more about No Before, you can go to www.knowbefore, and that's no, B-E, and four, as in the number, dot com. And No Before is on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And Perry is also on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter under Perry Carpenter, and on Facebook under perrycarpenter.author. And reach out to Perry. He's got some really cool information in the book, and I'm sure you'd be happy to hear from our listeners, Barry. And this is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest-growing nonprofit digital marketing local search associations. They do legislative light papers focused on digital. They also have conferences. Their next conference is in October 16th to 18th in Florence, Italy. And they also have an e-learning platform in cooperation with Boss Capital for startups. And the e-learning platform is to help startup success, help product management success be successful in new launches. So please go to www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about security culture. And we're talking with Perry Carpenter, and he's the Chief Evangelist and Strategy Officer at Know Before. He's also an author, and he just published a brand new book, um, The Security Culture Playbook, An Executive Guide to Reducing Risk and Developing Your Human Defense Factor. And he also does have a popular podcast, and that's the Eighth Layer Insights Podcast. And so you can find that podcast on the net and you can find the book on Amazon and Know Before is the world's first and largest new school security awareness and training simulated phishing platform that helps manage the ongoing problem of social engineering and security. So we, uh, Perry, before the break, we, we, we talked about the seven dimensions. Um, I think we kind of touched on, on all of them. But uh, this is that's a lot of stuff, okay? You know what I mean? Okay. So, so how do you, how do you, what actions can be taken to try to take steps to direct a cultural change, 
and um, you know, how, how does it work and how does it evolve? Yeah, so I, I think the biggest thing to realize is when you when you look at it on paper and you see seven dimensions and you see kind of these you know, very specific definitions of what culture is and what it's not, and you hear about knowledge, intention, behavior gaps, and three laws of security awareness and all the <laughs> things that we just talked about, it can feel overwhelming. Um, there is good news, though, is that the the way that you address this is very, very practical, and it doesn't have to feel overwhelming. So uh, the company I work for, Know Before, has good, easy-to-use tools, um, and we're one vendor out of you know an ecosystem of vendors. So um, other vendors also have tools that will help with this as well. The, the biggest thing is that you just start. Um, you, you say... All right. I know that there are components of a good security um, culture program and that, um, you know, attitudes and behaviors and cognition and all of that are part of it. Um, and the other thing I know is I can start to measure that. So once I, you know, just kick something off and do a baseline measurement and it, it doesn't have to be a culture measurement, it could just be let me understand my people's susceptibility to phishing. And so we'll mm -hmm. do a phishing simulation test and we'll, we'll understand our vulnerability there. That's one good, easy to do thing that virtually any security, you know, quote unquote security awareness vendor worth their salt has that ability to do. And so you can do that. You can understand one critical behavior that is, exists in your organization and the susceptibility to that vector of attack. That's really good. Um, if you go in and you want to deal with the entirety of your culture across those seven dimensions, you can launch a survey, you can look at some of your tools, and you can understand where you are in each of those seven dimensions. And then the good thing there is that, again, you don't have to be overwhelmed. And you look at all of them and you say, oh, I'm not where I want to be in any of these dimensions. Um, so that means I simultaneously have to hit all seven. It mm -hmm. does not have to be that way. Because what we found in our research is that when you work on one of those seven, that one has a gravitational effect over several others. So if mm -hmm. I'm working on cognition, well, even though because somebody knows something, it doesn't necessarily reflect behavior, there are times when it does of like, oh, I didn't know that policy existed. And I've got the motivation to follow that because I, I've got a good attitude already. So I'll naturally adjust my behavior. So you'll start to see the ripple effect of even working on just one or two of these um, dimensions uh, because of that gravitational effect, because of the fact that there are not hard borders across all of these. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. I can see where where you start to work on one, and it is kind of overwhelming to think I'm going to work on all seven. Um, and and you know this, this security culture. I mean, there's so much going on in the world today. Um, why is it so important to do it? I mean, I, you know, there's tons of cyber attacks going on there. You know, people are exploiting weaknesses in security culture. Um, yeah. What do you see going on? Um, I mean, in the world with the, the events that we've just had between, uh, you know, the pandemic and then we've got ton, you know, Russia, Ukraine, and we've got tons of social unrest around the world. Um, we feel like we live in a very chaotic uh, mm -hmm. world. It, because we do. Um, and with that chaoticness uh, of the world that we're in, that means people's minds and their attention are you know, potentially more fragmented than than before. Um, they're distracted, they're stressed out, um, they're afraid for 
the future of their children. You know, there's lots and lots of things that are competing for attention within our minds. And the the truth of the matter is, is that cyber criminals love that mm. um, because a distracted person is a way more vulnerable person than somebody who is focused, that is thinking logically about everything. Um, and so cyber criminals can take advantage of fear. They can take advantage of uncertainty. They can take advantage of um, distraction and stress. And just at the right time, um, they can launch an attack. And because we're so stressed out, because we're distracted, um, we absentmindedly do things like click on phishing emails or um, give away information that we wouldn't if we were way less distracted. And so that's where some of the cultural components come in because if we're naturally modeling the right behavior and people are building the right behavior patterns, then they're establishing habits. And the great thing about a habit is, is you're not consciously thinking about it. You just instinctively do the habit. And that's where we want to get with a lot of the very, very critical security behaviors around um, setting passwords, maybe using password managers, um, being suspicious of links, being suspicious of phone calls that we get or text messages, all of that are gut level instincts that we can program into the human. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Something just popped into my head when you were saying that because in the in the intro, I I talked about reading that article on on cultures, cyber security cultures within countries. Okay, mm-hmm. and then you, we're talking about companies now. Okay, but I mean anybody who has kids out there knows that sometimes I just pick up one of the iPads. I'm going, oh, my God, what are they doing? Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean I, you know, if you go to a country like Israel, they have such embedded in the families. I mean, right. do you think it's also kind of our our job now to 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 help the, you know, the younger ones, you know, and I'm talking about younger than generations that I'm talking about 11 and yeah. 12, so, you know, understand how important security is? Yeah, I think it is our job, um, and I'm actually relatively encouraged. I've been I've been seeing more and more tools come out, um, more and more resources and books and um, K-12 programs being created, uh, really trying to help establish a framework of thought that the next generation will have as they start to enter the workforce and society. Um, at the same time, though, there's a lot to worry about because um, that same generation has no understanding really, or maybe they do understand, let's, let's say less of an appreciation that men, than many of us would like them to have around privacy mm. and sharing, and they don't necessarily understand where some of the tools and helps can come in. I mean, I, I still talk to um, younger people all the time that have a list of passwords in the notes app on their phone. Yeah. And that's not a great place because a lot of people also share their phone with people who give it and say, hey, will you um, read this for me or will you take a picture? And then their notes app is clearly you know, visible to that other person. Uh, much better to train them to say, hey, you've got a good instinct. You're wanting to keep you know, track of your passwords. You're wanting to have good, unique passwords across all these st- different systems. That's great. Let's just shift that behavior over to a password manager so that they're good, strong, and unique. You don't have to keep track of them, and they're not visible to somebody else that has your phone 
Um, or and they don't get lost if you lose your phone too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I do think when when I think about cultures and I think about you know in in the beginning I said about um, the Netherlands um, being as one of the top um, cultures on Cyrus Hukiri, I was quite surprised. But then I think about my friends because I live close to the Dutch border when they're kids and they're bringing up that kind of awareness from right. that from the time they're five years old. So we're getting towards we're getting towards the end of the the, the show, um, Perry. So if I'm a manager out there listening today, okay, mm-hmm. um, I know, you know, nobody's perfect. Even if you have this awareness program going in, um, what's the what's the first step I should take uh, to try to first, move my – Yeah, um, and I think that's – so the first step is don't get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'd be the first thing is take, take a deep breath. Um, it can feel like a lot, especially once you start to, you know, kind of take the blinders off and really understand that your people are this critical line of defense. Um, because, uh, I mean, with the Verizon data breach investigation report coming out, we know that it's, it's almost always over 80% of the reasons that breach happens comes down to some kind of, of human, uh, related issue whether that's um, somebody being tricked and clicking on a phishing email or a human just being uh, absent-minded and negligent in some other way. So we have to deal with the human side of the equation. Um, but again, you don't have to be overwhelmed. There are easily deployable tools that the the market has come up with around things like let's get phishing under control and when it comes to whether you're going to start with phishing or whether you want to start on on these seven different dimensions that we talked about and take a full culture approach, you can always start with a baseline. And that baseline gives you a really good clear-headed assessment of where you are. And then the other good thing about baselines is you can also, um, if you have a good baseline, you're using a good vendor they will also give you a clue as to what other organizations that look like you, uh, where they are. So whether that's by size, by region, by industry, you should be able to slice and dice the, the data all that way. And so when you go, oh, you know what? Um, let's say the scale is, is one to five. Uh, we're only at a two out of five. Um, we feel really bad. But if you then compare yourself against the other organizations that are like you, and you see that most organizations are only at a 2.5, they're you know not at a four or five where you would maybe expect if you hadn't seen that data, you go, oh, you know what? To get up to par with the rest of our organization, it's a much smaller gap that mm-hmm. we have to cross. And so we don't need to feel totally discouraged. In fact, I think we could get to a three and we'd do better than most of our competitors at that point. And now we can lean on that as something that we can tout to our customers. Mm-hmm. And and I think also um, just a question, you know, with all this going on, you know, companies have been distracted a little bit, okay? Yeah. And and um, you know, I mean, the energy prices in Europe, I know, in the U.S. also are just going skyrocket. Um, how important is it for us? Just last words to CEOs not to forget this. Okay, and because as you said, we're distracted with, you know, the the price of wheat from the Ukraine, the price of mm-hmm. oil, you know, everything. But this is this is really critical, and you know, just a couple words to them on, you know, encouraging them to keep that on the top of their list. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so the thing that I always remember is again, this all comes down to the human side of things, and 
we've been really, really good as a security industry and as, as an IT industry over the past few decades on putting good technical controls in place that make it really hard to hack in and do nefarious things. In fact, we've been so good at that that we made it to where the de facto way that cyber criminals try to get in right now is by tricking a human so that you can bypass all of those crunchy controls that we put in place yeah. and and get in that way. Um, so it's really time to shift the the lens a little bit and say, you know what? The thing that we really need to put time, money, and attention on right now is that vulnerable human layer. We need to build that up. We need to strengthen that layer so that we're way more resilient to the the tactics, frankly, that we've pushed cyber criminals into using. Yeah. And we can do that. We can make our people much less vulnerable to attack if we really invest in them and we acknowledge the fact that they are a critical layer of defense within our organization. So we want to manage that risk as effectively as possible. Great closing words, Perry. So um, really interesting discussion. Thank you so much. We've been talking to Perry Carpenter, Chief Evangelist, Author, and Strategy Officer at No Before. Um, his two books are on Amazon, Transformational Security Awareness, What Neuroscientists, Storytellers, and Marketers Can Teach Us About Driving Secure Behaviors, and the Security Culture Playbook, and Executive Guide to Reducing Risk and Developing Your Human Defense. He also has a podcast. Please listen to it, Eighth Letter, Eighth Eighth Layer Insights Podcast. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, now, if you'd like to learn more about No Before, you can go to www.nobefore, and that's no be four as in the number dot com and they are also on twitter facebook and linkedin and perry is on facebook linkedin and twitter under perry carpenter so please reach out to him thank you perry it's been really a pleasure um, Thank you. Great information. Um, stay safe. Stay secure. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. okay. You too. And, uh, okay. Thank you. And uh, listeners, don't forget to tune in to us every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us, we're all over the web, so you can you can find uh, previous episodes under Leadership Beyond Borders. And with that, thank you for listening in this week, and tune in again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.